Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. What's your name? My name is Rafael. Rafael. Yeah. Have you been to this Bhagavad Gita class before? I have been to a couple of times. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you too. The Nam of Krishna. <laughs> wow. Wherever there's the Krishna Nam, there's purification. And Chaitanya Leela. Wherever there's Chaitanya Leela, there's <laughs> ecstasy. I do like my new cushion like that. You did something? Yeah. It goes with everything. Well, it wasn't the color, it's just the <laughs> something to keep me off the, the wall. Yeah, that's good. And so this works, just does everything. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Krishna sent it to me. Uh, I'm going to use my Bhagavad Gita because I like the print better, so you can take that one if you want. <clears throat> so, 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Isn't it interesting that um, Krishna so much wants to drive this message home that he summarizes the Gita twice. I find that very interesting. I've never seen that before anywhere. Have you? You know, in any kind of book or some something that's being conveyed in literature, uh, or I've never noticed it anywhere. Someone speaking or whatever. But Krishna starts out, he sets the scene. And then in that's in chapter one. In chapter two, he gives you the whole Gita. And then he goes on through devotional service, pure devotional service. And now he's going to talk about how these things remote, uh, uh, how they um, uh, relate to the different modes. And he's going to restate the whole thing of the Gita. A lot of people say that when they start reading the Bhagavad Gita, they... Uh, when they start reading it the second and the third time, they find themselves, they can't wait to get through the first six chapters. Because in this middle six chapters, to some people they feel that it gets sweeter and then even sweeter at the end. Now, I personally have never felt that way. I like, I don't see the difference, but I can, I can see how some people would feel that way. So, so here Krishna is going to summarize the whole thing. And uh, I just think it's it's really sweet the way he does it. And he he summarizes or he resummarizes. And if you notice, it's not a repetition of chapter two. It's not restating chapter two. I mean, it's nothing like it, and yet, you know, uh, I guess we'd have to say that Krishna is probably a pretty decent communicator. So I think we should learn. We should learn from him in our communication. Uh, it's our nature to uh, communicate. So it's our nature, if we're going to communicate, to communicate with others. So 
if we're going to communicate with others, we should communicate effectively with others. That means that what I'm trying to give to you, I have to effectively communicate it uh, so that you uh, understand what it is I'm trying to communicate. And that takes away the chance of any misunderstanding. So we see that uh, again and again in Prabhupada's writings. Prabhupada repeats things. And he even knows that he's repeating. And so just so that someone may criticize that he repeats, well, this Swami repeats and repeats. He even puts in Bhagavad Gita more than once in his purports that repetition is not a literary weakness. As some people might say, well, you already said that. Now, this is communication. So in our preaching, when we're preaching to someone, when we're communicating, we want to uh, be clear, concise, understanding. And so to do that, uh, you have to have the right heart to do that, the right mood. If I start yelling at you because of something that you did that I didn't like, you're going to start closing off, aren't you? Like, oh God, maybe every tenth word you hear, uh, when is this over, you see? But if I open up the way Krishna has here with love, and I try to touch you, if our souls can touch, then we can communicate effectively. So the real communication is soul to soul. It's not just mouth, spit it out there, you know? No, it's... So, uh, in preaching, sometimes it's always, it's necessary to repeat, rephrase. Sometimes Prabhupada says, uh, you know, he gives an analogy and then he may say, or, and he gives another analogy. So that you can't speculate or, yeah. No, it reminds me, I've heard, I've heard that in advertising, they say that on average for something to register with somebody, they need to hear it seven times. Hmm. Yeah. So it's actually scientifically true. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing something like that from, uh, I worked for a company back in the 70s. Um, and the... Uh, advertising firm that handled us, it was a national company, was BBDNO, and they handled Pepsi Cola and big, big, big names. So these guys were, they were good, they were really good. And they said things like that, you know, for our advertising to be effective. And that's why you see companies come up with, um, um, what do they call them? Um, slogans. Slogans. You know, buzzwords, catchphrases. It's the real thing. You know, remember that? Coke? That's probably a little too old for you. But Coke <laughs> did that. Uh, AT&T. Remember theirs? Reach out. Reach out and touch someone. Well, that might be a little old. <laughs> but different. And so, you know, Coke being the real thing didn't mean anything. But people remembered. 
And they started, you'd hear people in a restaurant, they'd order the, the real thing. What would you like to drink? I'll have a real, give me the real thing. Mm -hmm. So, you see, so these things catch on, so. Okay, enough of that. Uh, any comments or observations before we get started? I just want to say, um, I, I forgot to put the time at 4.30. You forgot what? I forgot to put the time at 4.30. Oh, you said five o'clock. Yeah, usually when, when I was doing the summary classes, I would do four thirty, but I forgot to do that this class. Oh, so I apologize. Why are you apologizing to me? Well, we don't have as much time. Oh, as we normally do. how much time do we have? Um, I guess this depends how long it takes us to get ready for Harry now. So maybe six six, uh, six fifteen. Maybe? All right. Well, we can do it. Okay. But we can do as many of these summaries for chapter eighteen as you like. Well, that's good because it's, this is going to be fun. I was realizing a couple of days ago that, you know, to do the, the 18th chapter because Krishna is restating it, which means I really want you to get this, yeah. you know, just in case you've been nodding off for 17 chapters. <laughs> Let me say this again, but I'll say it in a different way. So... Yeah, if we could go through this, you know. And I was thinking, for the most part, we'll include all verses and practically, if not all, of the purports as well. What do you think? Because Prabhupada also, if you notice in the purports, he kind of pours it out, you know. So, all right. Do you want to generally start at 4.30 on, on these summary classes? I'm your servant, whatever. You... What do you all think? Do you all want to start at 4 30? Yeah. I'll show up whenever you tell me to. Okay. So we'll go back to 4 30, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Where did you get five? You just spaced it out? Well, no, normally we always do five, but mm -hmm. for your summary classes, we did 4 30. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I didn't understand what you said before. I thought I you said your well, we do class. summer classes. I thought. Oh, summer. Summer, <laughs> summer <laughs> classes are over. <laughs> These are the fall classes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I'll start and then we'll go around the room if you like. And uh, yeah, we'll just take whatever time is comfortable to get through it and enjoy it. Arjun Vacha Sanyasya Mahabaho Tatvam Ichami Veditam Jagasya Cha Rishikesha Prita Keshi Nishudana Arjuna said, O mighty armed one, I wish to understand the purpose of renunciation, Tyag, and the renounced order of life, Sanyas. O killer of the Keshi demon, master of the senses. So, this purport is very interesting. Uh, Prabhupada says, actually, the Bhagavad Gita is finished in 17 chapters. The 18th chapter is a supplement, supplementary summarization of the topics discussed before. In every chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna stresses <clears throat> that devotional service unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the unlimited goal of life. 
This same point is summarized in uh, the 18th chapter as the most confidential part of knowledge. Path of knowledge. Oh, excuse me. Confidential path of knowledge. In the first six chapters, stress was given to devotional service. Yoginam apisarvesham. All uh, of all yogis are transcendentalists. One who always thinks of me within himself is best. In the next six chapters, pure devotional service and its nature and activity were discussed. In the third six chapters, knowledge, renunciation, the activities of material nature and the transcendental nature and, the, and devotional service were described. Notice that in all three chapters, it's, it's devotional service. Krishna's talking about devotional service. Um, without devotional service, then what is the effect of your chanting? You notice Krishna is not repeating, you know, in all six chapters, he doesn't say chant Hare Krishna. He's talking about devotional service. Don't ask for it, although you should ask for it by chanting. Chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You're asking for it. Please engage me in your loving devotional service, but then you should do it. You see, which is the object of the game. Krishna says, don't just ask me for it. Here, take it. Do devotional service. You're sitting chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna says like, don't let me get in your way. <laughs> okay, thanks for asking. Yeah, you can do some service. And we'll get into uh, later on in the chapter. What should happen at that moment? I'm chanting. Krishna says, I accept your request. Then what happens? We do devotional service, right? But based on what? This is the drill down effect. You know, what are we really, based on what? You know, what level of devotional service are you asking for? So, Krishna's just happy that you chant. Yeah, isn't the chanting also devotional service? It is. But if it was complete in and of itself, then nothing would be done. Yeah, that's true. You see? It is hearing, complete. I remember However, hearing about that. I heard about some pastime with Srila Bhakti Siddhanta where there was one extremely advanced <coughs> devotee who just stayed in the temple all day and chanted all day long. So a number of the other devotees who had to do very active service, they got upset and they said to him, can we, can we, you know, why this devotee doesn't go out and distribute books and cook and do all kinds of things? And, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said, well, if you want to stay here all day and chant, you may do also. And after like a day or two, they couldn't do it. They didn't right. have the advancement to chant all day long. Yeah, it depends on your level. Of, yeah. Of, and what does the spiritual master want you to do? That the indication is he's doing what I want him to do.
You get somebody who can purely chant all day, every day. That's pretty good. Yeah. Because it's like based on, like you were saying, it, it depends on the circumstance. Like sometimes there's a bunch of Nambi devotees, like Gorky Shore, Babaji, and he didn't even want to close to anybody and just chant all day. And then Haridas Thakur, all he did was day and night just chant Hare Krishna. That was like his, that was his service. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it can be just chanting, right? But then sometimes, <coughs> depending on the guru, depending on, on his order, the guru's yeah. desire. And that entity, that devotee. It's a pretty high level to be able yeah, to do that. For sure. Atul, will you tell me again what the title you gave him was? Atul? Oh. Will you tell me the name? Bhajananandi. Who got that title? <coughs> well, it's like Bhajan, uh, one who's constantly chanting the holy name. There's like another name for some of those focused on just preaching. There's another title for someone who's more invested in like preaching and outreach instead of family and singing. Yeah, there could be a Kirtananandi. You know, and it's just so, yeah. That's one that's for preaching. Yeah. Okay. And it depends on where do you fit in. Which is difficult for many, many people to figure out. Where do I fit in with all this? Okay, now I've, I've asked for devotional service. So now, uh, where do I fit into this thing of devotional service? Quote, unquote, devotional service. So there's so many different levels of it. If you're fortunate, and I mean, you're extremely fortunate when this happens. If your guru gives you your devotional service, then it's all finished. You don't have to try this, try that, experiment here, see if this works. No. Did you say quote-unquote because they're not plugged into the Sampradaya? Like, if somebody's not, it's just kind of doing devotional service based on their own ideas? Based on their own desire. So like, I want deserve devotional service. And you know what? I think I'd like to do this. You know? That's like if you go to the guru's room and he needs uh, the floor cleaned and you want to do some service. Well, he needs you to clean the floor. You want to do some service. But you want to wash his clothes. Because I like washing your clothes. Well, that's doing service, isn't it? Well, all right. If that's what you want to do, to be engaged, go ahead. But I'm really looking for someone right now to clean this floor. So it's a little higher if you can go and say, please engage me. What can I do for you? The minute that you that I know what you want me to do, I want to do that. Because of my motive, I want to do for you. But if you say, I wanna go, I, I want to, to cook for my devotional service, then that's good, that's good. But somewhere along the way, we'll settle into what is uh, the desire of Krishna. 
and grow for you. And that's the most pleasing. It could be that that thing that you want to do is exactly what Guru and Krishna want you to do. It could very well be. Oftentimes it is, but not always. I mean, if, you, if what you're doing uh, isn't exactly what your guru told you to do, but you can see he's very pleased, then it's a strong indication that that's what he wants you to do. You're exactly, if he's not telling you to do like this, but if he tells you, your service is this. I was very fortunate, Prabhupada told me that, that this is your service, you preach, you speak. That was very easy. That was a straight communication. You know, direct. It wasn't like, what, what, what he meant by that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good to hear. But you know, I thought I'd like to... Which he might say, okay, yes, yes, do that. <laughs> you see what I mean? So... Motive. What is my motive for, for chanting Hare Krishna? In the beginning, I, I'm doing it because it's the best thing for me. And I'm smart enough to realize that. I'm taking up Krishna consciousness because it's the best thing for me. Because for billions and trillions of lifetimes, that's what I've been used to doing. Best thing for me. Because I was out there looking out for me. I had to. Who else is? Once I left mom and daddy... I had to look out for myself. Maybe I got a couple of other people that we were working, struggling in the material energy together, but we're looking out. So we have that nature. So to convert to, uh, my dear Lord, how can I serve you? You know, Arjuna hits it on the nail in the seventh verse of the second chapter. Can't remember it. What is it? Karpanya Shari Papana. Did I forget part of it? Shari Papana. Now I am your Shishya. I am your disciple. Now I am your disciple. Please instruct me. What do you want me to do? So Arjuna didn't say, well, you know, I want to do this. I thought I'd take a, a guitar course, you know, because it was, you know, no, he didn't. He said, in this current situation, I can't figure out what is best for me. Arjuna came to that uh, wisdom, that realization that I, in my situation, that includes us in our situation, when we come to Krishna consciousness, we don't know what's best for us. We only know what we interpret as best for us for our sense gratification and maybe for our safety. Yeah. I, I was thinking he did want to go to the forest. Oh, he mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, our Jews, oh, let's go to the forest. You know, I'll just become a beggar. I don't, I don't want to do everything but kill anybody. Kill. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
And Krishna said, those are petty weaknesses of heart. So, but Arjuna realized, in my current situation, I don't know at all what's best for me. You know, I, I need you. Please instruct me. That is surrender to Krishna. Arjuna showed us right there in the early part of the second chapter. What Krishna is going to ask you, the readers of the, of the Bhagavad Gita, to do all the way through the rest of the book. Surrender to me, surrender. <laughs> and in case we wonder, well, how would that manifest? Go back to second chapter, seventh verse. You know, footnote. See Bhagavad Gita 2.7. <laughs> so... All right, I can tell we're gonna, who knows how long this will take, but it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter, it's eternal, eternal time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> by us doing this, Krishna says, uh, what is it, uh, 929, I think it is, no. Can't remember. But Krishna says that those who discuss and teach this Bhagavad Gita, uh, no one is more dear to me, nor will there ever be one more dear to me. So this is our highest activity here. <clears throat> Which is why it's so enjoyable. Uh, it was concluded that all acts should be performed in conjunction with the Supreme Lord, represented by the words, Om Tat uh, Om Tat Sat. Uh, Vaisheshika likes to say Om at the, at the end of, well, he used to, I don't, know, I don't think he still does it, but he used to. At the end of a class, he'd say Om Tat Sat. Thanks a lot. Years ago, he used to say that. You know, <clears throat> Thanks a lot for listening. You know, Om Tat Sat. For the benefit of the Supreme Lord. Om Tat Sat. Well, that's devotional service for the benefit of the Supreme Lord. And that means all living entities as well, you see. Uh, why should we do anything for his benefit? He's God. What does he need from me? Okay, so that's on a, on a lower level. That's practical, and it's true. What, is, what does he need? Well, this guy's got it all. What does he need from me? But when you get to the point of love, you know, I want to do something for you. And you're blinded by the fact there's nothing I have to contribute. There's nothing that I can do for the supreme source of everything. We're, we, we become blind to that. We become blinded by love. We don't even see that. If you could say it's kind of like a, you're... you're you're taking leave of your senses. Someone might say, what are you, crazy? You're dealing with God here. Well, if you'd told that to Mother Yashoda, she would have said, no, he's my beloved Krishna. So we're saying, once you get to that point where he's just your beloved Krishna, oh, I want to do for you. He needs me. Krishna needs me. You see? So, uh, 
represented by the words Om Tat Sat, which means, uh, which indicate Vishnu, the Supreme Person. The third part of the Bhagavad Gita has uh, shown that devotional service and nothing else is the ultimate purpose of life. This has been established and cited uh, by citing Pastacharyas and the uh, Brahma Sutra, the Vedanta Sutra. Certain impersonalists consider themselves to have a monopoly on the knowledge of the Vedanta Sutra. But actually, the Vedanta Sutra is meant for understanding devotional service, for the Lord himself is the composer of the Vedanta Sutra, and he is the knower. It is described in the 15th chapter in every script. Uh, he is the, he, and he is, is the knower. That is described in the 15th chapter. In every scripture, every Veda, devotional service is the objective. That is explained in Bhagavad Gita. As, as the second chapter, as in the second chapter, a synopsis of the whole subject matter was described in the 11th chapter, excuse me, in the 18th chapter, also a summary of all instruction is given. The purpose of life is indicated to be renunciation and attainment of the transcendental position above the three modes of nature. Arjuna wants to clarify the two distinct subject matters of Bhagavad Gita, namely renunciation, tyag, and the renounced order, sannyas. Thus, he is asking the meaning of these two words. Two words used in this verse to address the Supreme Lord, uh, Rishikesh and Keshi Nishudan, are significant. Rishikesh is Krishna, the master of all senses, who can always help us attain mental serenity. Very, thing, very important to remember when people, when you feel disturbed, some disturbance, uh, you may be sick suffering physically, uh, heartache, suffering from, you know, in the heart, mental distress, whatever it is, that serenity comes from remembering Krishna. You're not going to get it anywhere else. You may get a little something that may help a little bit. Somebody may say some warm and fuzzy phrases to you and make you feel a little bit better. But if you want serenity, then uh, you have to remember Krishna is the, is the uh, master of the senses. He is my master and he is my protector. And if you meditate deep enough on that uh, and have enough faith in it, it will give you serenity. It's the best, it's the best to go to. Arjuna requests him to summarize everything in such a way uh, that he can... Uh, remain equipoised. Yet, he has some doubts, and the doubts are always compared to demons. He therefore addresses Krishna as Keshi Nishudan. Uh, Keshi is, uh, was a most formidable demon who was killed by the Lord. Now Arjuna is expecting Krishna to kill the demon of doubts. Doubts. You have to deal with doubts. They're gonna, until we're fully convinced, doubts will creep up, you see? So yeah, we always have to deal with them. So 
When you have some doubt, you might just call out, Keshi Nishudan, oh killer of the demons, the demon of doubt. Krishna, kill my doubt. In other words, for me to serve you better, I need you to serve me. I want to serve you, Krishna. I want to go full speed ahead. But I need you to do some service. What can I do for you? Kill my doubts. You see? Uh, for us to do anything, uh, if we want to build a temple for Krishna, we need resources. And so the resources have to come for, from Krishna. You see? So, Krishna, for me to serve you better, I need resources. I need you to give me whatever resources that I need to serve you in the manner that I'm that you want me to serve you. I need you to give me faith, kill my doubts, give me strength, give me whatever health I need to perform the tasks that I need to perform to serve you and to please you. It's sense gratification if I think that I'll go to Krishna and say, I want to feel perfectly good today and all the time. Well, you know, that's kind of putting you first, isn't it? Oh, Krishna, give me what strength I need to serve you in the way that you want me to serve you. And that'll give you uh, enough of a good feeling that even if the body is dragging you down, which your body will, right, isn't it? Even when you take care of yourself, it'll, it'll hit you, won't it? You weren't, you weren't expecting to get ill. You weren't expecting to get hurt. <laughs> Still, I was expecting to get old. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, at least I was expecting this to happen to me, you know? So, all right, any discussion before we move on to two? All right, Chaitanya Leela, do you want to take verse two? I'm not even sure. Should I read the Sanskrit? Yeah, can you? This is good. This is good practice. We're not going to judge. Just try to give it a shot. Shri Bhagavan Vacha. Oh, okay. I'm so used. I'm so. I'm class. I'm sorry. That's okay. Shri Bhagavan Vacha. Karmanam. Karmanam. Mayasam. Sanyasam kavayo guru ha sarvakamma kalam taya tayagam brahus padam vichak shanaha. Very so, good. <laughs> the Supreme Personality of God had said The giving up of activities that are based on material desire is what great learned men call the renounced order of life, sannyas. And giving up the results of all activities is what the wise call renunciation, tabya. Performance of activities for results has to be given up. This is the instruction of the Bhagavad Gita. But activities leading to advanced spiritual knowledge are not to be given up. This will be made clear in the next verses. In the Vedic literature, there are many prescriptions of methods for performing sacrifice for some particular purpose. There are certain sacrifices to perform to attain a good son or to attain elevation to higher planets, but sacrifices prompted by desire should be stopped. 
However, sacrifice for the purification of one's heart or for advancement in the spiritual science should not be given up. So this sannyas, there are some, let's call them authorities, uh, bygone ages. I don't know if there are any around right now. They're certainly not in ISKCON that I know of. That claim that sannyas is that top level that everyone has to obtain. You have to take sannyas. You have to renounce it all. So uh, Krishna is going to defeat that that thought uh, in the next few verses, and so is Prabhupada in the purports, which I think you'll find very interesting. Some learned men declare that all kinds of fruitive activities should be given up as faulty, yet other sages maintain that acts of sacrifice, charity, and penance should never be abandoned. There are many activities in the Vedic literature which are subjects of contention. For instance, it is said that an animal can be killed in a sacrifice. Yet some maintain that animal killing is completely abominable. Although animal killing is in a sacrifice is recommended in the Vedic literature, the animal is not considered to be killed. The sacrifice is to give a new life to the animal. Sometimes the animal is given a new animal life after being killed in the sacrifice, and sometimes the animal is promoted immediately to the human form of life. But there are different opinions among the sages. Some say that animal killing should always be avoided, and others say that for a specific, for a specific sacrifice, it is good. All these different opinions on sacrificial activity are now being clarified by the Lord Himself. This jayam shrunu me. Tatra, Tayagi, Varata, Satama, Tayago, He, Purusha, Vyagra, Tri, Vidha, Sampra, Kirtana, Kirtata. O best of the Varatas, now hear my judgment about renunciation. O tiger among men, renunciation is declared in the scriptures to be of three kinds. Purport. Although there are differences of opinions about renunciation, here the Supreme Personal of Godhead, Sri Krishna, gives his judgment, which should be taken as final. After all, the Vedas are different laws given by the Lord. Here the Lord is personally present, and his word should be taken as final. The Lord says that the process of renunciation should be considered in terms of the modes of material nature in which they are performed. Notice that point there, Prabhupada makes that uh, um, we should take Krishna's word as the final word. You know, well, God says, but I think, <coughs> well, he's the highest authority. That means surrender. I'm giving you the highest authority. You already had it, but I'm recognizing that's surrender. I take you as my authority. Now, I'm your disciple. Please instruct me. So we may look at Shastra, scriptures, and say, 
see what it says here? I don't like that. Let's just kind of get, get past that, you know? So, no, no, you take it. Take it literally. It's literal. Okay. Really, I have a silly question. I'll give you a silly answer. So, I'm looking at the word-for-word -word meanings in the Purusha Viagra. Is that where the word Viagra comes from? Because it says, oh, tiger, among human beings. No. <laughs> I, 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 I thought that was funny. That means highest, the hi highest, uh, what does it mean? Oh, tiger among human beings. Yeah, like the higher. The... Well, there's also the word Viragya, right? Viragya. That yeah. means renunciation. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Chagra. Chagra. What is it? Chagra. No, no, no. That's what it be. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's the it's Yagra. Uh, Vragya. Okay. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Vragra. <laughs> I'm having one of those days I can't think or read. My blood sugar gets high. I don't see well. Mm. It was real high this morning for some reason. So, yeah. Viagra. You could say, it sounds like it, doesn't it? No, they try to take kind of words from the Sanskrit. <laughs> yeah. <It's> silly. <laughs> Speculation. I just thought of, they could use that is, you know, if you take this, it'll make you... A tiger among human beings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised. It's good that they haven't discovered that, you know. Silly observation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You want to try one? No, because I don't... First of all, I don't know where we are, and then I don't have very good practice. You can just read the English here. It's just a text. Yeah, just do the English. Was it you? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Krishna Master. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that on here? Sorry, Krishna That's all right. No problem. Verse 5. Karyam eva tat yagno danam tapas chaiva pavani pavana pavanani manisinam. That's good. Just remember whenever you see you see that the J in the N, mm -hmm. uh, and the N's got that little yeah. wavy thing over it, it's pronounced like a G. Like a G? Yeah. Yagno. Uh, okay. Yeah, yag, yagyo. It's like a G-Y. Yagya. <laughs> okay. Like a... Yagya. 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 Yeah. You know, it's like a... It, it would read Yajna, but it's Yagya. Actually, Prabhupada always... Many people pronounce it Jagya. Oh. Or you can often drop the A at the end, and it's just a jug. Hmm. It's like back in the old days, we used to ask people, what are you up to lately? Just doing a jug. <laughs> just doing the job. <laughs> that means I'm up just I'm, I'm going to the airport to distribute books. I'm going out in the street to distribute just doing the job. 
That's great. Translation. Acts of sacrifice, charity, and penance are not to be given up. They must be performed. Indeed, sacrifice, charity, and penance purify even the great souls. Report. The yogis should perform acts for the advancement of human society. There are many purificatory processes for advancing a human being to spiritual life. The marriage ceremony, for example, is considered to be one of these sacrifices. It is called uh, Vivha Yagna, Yagna, right? Yagya. Yagya. Yeah. Sh uh, should a sannyasi uh, who is in renounced order of life and who has given up his family relations encourage the marriage ceremony? The Lord says here that any sacrifice which is meant for human welfare should never be given up. Vivaha Yagna. Yagya. Yagya. Uh, the marriage ceremony is meant to regulate the human mind so that it may become peaceful for spiritual advancement. For most men, uh, this vivaha yagya should be encouraged even by persons in the renounced order of life. Sanasis should uh, never associate with women, but that does not mean that one who is in the lower stages of life, a young man, should not accept a wife in the marriage ceremony. All prescribed sacrifices are meant for achieving the Supreme Lord. Therefore, in the lower stages, they should not be given up. Similarly, uh, charity is for the purification of the heart. If charity is given to suitable persons, as described previously, it leads one to advance in <coughs> spiritual life. A couple of points here. Uh, so, uh, we, can, we can see that... Um, for the purpose of spiritual life, most, such a high percentage of people uh, really need to be married. Taking a wife in Krishna, in Krishna consciousness is a way to steady your and her, hers and your, advancement in Krishna consciousness. So it is prescribed. Although someone may say, well, sannyas is the true renunciation. Well, that's not necessarily true. It is and it isn't. But what about the grihasta who takes a wife and renounces the fruits of his labor to serve Krishna? I mean, he's going to have to pay for his rent, utilities, car, expenses, food, whatever. But then he, whatever he has, he uses that uh, to spread Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada says uh, in the Srimad Bhagavatam that he is also sannyasi. Although he's not, but performing like sannyas. The advantage, or, or let's say the, the, the differentiation is that the sannyas, those in the renounced order, don't have the comfort of a wife or a husband. This is a tremendous comfort for many people. So there is a, that's the differentiation. But their activities and their devotional service is exactly the same as the sannyas. They are renounced. But he has a wife and a job. How's he renounced? 
this is the one of the part of the science of Bhagavad Gita because you're not attached to the results of your activities. I have to pay for my expenses. Somebody's going to do it. I mean, if I if I don't work and take care of my wife and my household, then we'll have to go out and beg. Or the temple will have to, somebody will have to do it. So if I do that, that doesn't mean I'm attached. You see, if I do it, if I take a wife for sense gratification, that is material consciousness. You see, if I work a job to, um, uh, for sense gratification, for money to enjoy my senses, to have the, the latest stuff and, find this and find that, bigger house, whatever, better car. That's that makes me a karmi. I'm, I'm living for the uh, result of my activities. But the devotee who takes whatever is left over, and then we have to have some for, uh, especially the grihasta has to have some set aside for uh, emergencies. There needs to be a nest egg savings especially for the Grihasta, not so much for the renounced order, you know, for the sannyasis and, um, and the Vanapras. But Grihasta, he's got to have it. So beyond that, whatever can be done, time and money is used for the service of Krishna. And Prabhupada says that is sannyas. Says that I think in seventh canto. In the part of the seventh canto where it's describing Prahlad Maharaj. Talking about Prahlad Maharaj. So did you have a question? Uh, I just remember we were discussing like these points, some of these points in Pune. And I come take was describing, you know, this principle Rupa Swami was saying, you know, this is how he divvied up his finances, like a certain percentage for family and for emergencies. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, Prabhupada had prescribed 50% giving to Krishna, but he, his understanding, and I don't know all the context, was that that was after expenses, so like net, net profit, like 50% of net, like after basic expenses. Yeah. But I didn't know like any of the context. In terms of I'd say what Prabhupada said in that connection. Yeah, that's accurate. Because that would make sense because if you didn't, if you did a gross profit, you didn't have enough to cover your basic expenses. Yeah. Although there are people, there used to be, I don't think there's so many anymore, but there were decades ago people would say that if the grouse is not given 50% of his income, he's in Maya. <laughs> Typically, that was people that were envious. That, you got a nice wife. <laughs> You've got a nice husband. You got a nice relationship. Jivas are a nice married couple. They're so they serve so nicely. Oh yeah? Or are they giving fifty percent? I don't know, they're doing Sankirtan and they're they're leading Kirtan, they're going on Harinam, they're book distributing books and they're preaching. Oh yeah, well are they giving fifty percent? That means I'm a little envious of this guy and his gal and 
or the gal and his guy or her guy or you know I'll bet they're not giving 50 percent well are you giving 50 percent <laughs> but when I wear saffron I don't have any well then why don't you keep your nose out of the greenhouse this business <laughs> I don't know how many times I've had that conversation. Should I be looking for a wife for you? Huh? Kind of sounds like it, you know. Maybe this is just your way of asking me to be looking for a wife for you. Oh, no. What a, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the time showed as time went by. Yes, I should have been looking for a wife for him because... Otherwise, why would you even notice if you're renounced? If I'm renounced to the concept of, of having uh, a wife and uh, all the things that come with family life, if I'm truly renounced from that, then why am I concerned with how you and your wife live your lives? Why do I care? So I'm looking at the service that you're looking at, the service that people that you're doing, you know, it's great service. You know, you're preaching and well, they're giving 50%. Looks like they're giving a lot more than that. Time and money, add time and money together. I'd say they're giving a heck of a lot more than 50%. Yeah. Well, it just reminded me, it's probably one of the main reasons why many uh, young sannyasis fell down because they weren't really qualified to be sannyasis. They were qualified to be grahastas. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there's more to it than that. Oh. Yeah, Prabhupada actually says in the seventh canto, it, uh, we see many young boys will take sannyas, uh, but they're not fit. Prabhupada said that. But for the purpose of establishing this movement, he accepted it in their, in their 20s. Now, typically, a man doesn't take sannyas. Actually, the way it works is at age 50, man leaves home, takes vanaprast. Then at age 75, he takes sannyas. But we lived a lot longer in those days, and we weren't trying to establish a movement. So here we are in America in the 60s and 70s, and... Uh, for the purpose of spreading this movement, Prabhupada let these men take sannyas. And it's kind of like, uh, I always liken it to the Normandy invasion. <laughs> I mean, we knew that the people who succeeded were going to be walking on the dead bodies of the first ones who were brave enough to get in there and start killing a few and get killed themselves. You see, we knew that. The Prabhupada knew that. In other words, in order for this war on Maya, some men will give up. They'll, they're going to give up this. They're going to attempt at like age 22 to give up sex life for, for life. And they're not fit. They're not fit for that. That's not prescribed for, for anybody. You've got to be a really unusual soul to do that. But for the purpose of spreading this movement. So there was a, let me see if I can remember the exact number. There was a 46% uh, failure 
amongst the sannyasis from the beginning up until we set down strict requirements to take sannyas. 46% failure. But there was a 54% success. It's pretty huge. <laughs> that is off the charts. How do you get 20-something-year-old, agitated American and European boys to renounce sex life and women and money and all that for the rest of their life and succeed? That took real potency. And the ones that fell down, for the most part, they took up a, house, a household life and became very successful rehustas and went on serving in a big, big way. Now, since, since we've uh, changed things, the fallout rate, the failure rate is 2%. Oh, wow. But the war is over. We're still, we still have a war against Maya, but the establishment of this movement is over. I mean, we're still growing the movement, but it's here. The beachhead is established. Now we're in a different phase. So there's no need for some 22-year-old to take sannyas. We won't let you. You're not going to. Nobody's even going to listen to you unless you're plus four, uh, 40 plus. And then you're going to have to wait probably 10 years. You see. So now we're doing it in a different way. Did you have a question? Uh, I was just going to, when I was like, over at Eco Village, I was hearing from some of the, one of the um, devotees there that, um, I guess because like, obviously like the renounce order in India is, it's very prestigious to be, to be wearing saffron. And, and so, and there's also lots of brahmacharis. So Randhata Swami actually had a rule that if anybody, if any of the brahmacharis would be like hundreds of brahmacharis, criticize the householders, they would be asked to leave. He would, he would make them leave the community. Because that's how strict he was on that point. Yeah. Like, <coughs> like that, that whatever Varna or Ashram you're in, yeah. it, that doesn't make a difference. What's the difference is that you're engaged in service under the instruction of the Guru. So I just thought that was really significant that you had actually had a rule that they actually had to leave. Like, it was that strict on it, they had to go. They criticized the householders. And one of the main purposes for that rule was to keep people, the brahmacharis, uh, those in, in saffron, from starting to feel like they're better than everyone else. In other words, be humble. That goes along with it. If you're going to put on saffron, you got to be humble. If you're going to be in uh, household life, you've got to go out and do business. You know, you guys have to do business. If you're too humble in business, what happens? They <laughs> eat you. The world will eat you. So you got to be humble and yet bold. You know, you got to show them, I'm the man. So, but in your heart, you got to think I'm simple. I'm a servant. But you have to put that 
But if you're not in the Grihasta Ashram, then you, you better hope you're humble. You don't have any excuse not to be. And so we've seen people from time to time that put on saffron and they're kind of puffy. Think there's, you know. So that rule was to, you know, to nail those those guys. <laughs> you know? There's so many of them, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, India, India is a whole different story than making devotees in America. Uh, what time do we need to shut her down? Pretty soon? Probably, yeah, probably soon. Seven minutes. Okay. Should we do another another verse? Yeah. Huh? Okay. You want to try one? Sure. Uh, it's a text six. It's eaten all this eight. Certainly two, but Karmani activities and ground association. Tayatva renouncing Falani result also You can just read the English. Okay. Yeah. All these activities should be performed without attachment or any expectation of result. They should be performed as a matter of duty or some Pita, that's my final opinion. But although all sacrifices are purifying, one should not expect any result but such performance. In other words, all sacrifices which are meant for material advancement in life should be given up, but sacrifices that purify one's existence and elevate one to the spiritual plane should not be stopped. Everything that leads to Krishna consciousness must be encouraged. In the Srimad Bhagavatam Also, it is said that any activity which leads to devotional service service to the Lord should be accepted. That is the highest criterion of religion. A devotee of the Lord should accept any kind of work, sacrifice or charity, which will help him in the discharge of devotional service to the Lord. Okay, yeah. Grihasta, taking Grihasta, married life, should not be avoided. How does that put you in a in a mode which we'll talk about in the book verses to come? You see? If you can use that as a stepping stone <coughs> to pure devotional service, it should be accepted. If you can, and if you need it. Some people, a very small percentage of people, they don't really need it. They don't really need it. They're, they're, it's just not, um, their, their drive isn't for that. I need a mate. doesn't mean they're broken. There's nothing wrong with them. 
you see. At the same token, there's nothing wrong with someone wanting a mate. So why do you want a mate? Well, in the, in the, uh, in the material consciousness, I want a mate to enjoy. You know, I want to enjoy physically. I want to enjoy, um, do as if I have a, a beautiful mate. It's going to make me look more flashy, more special, you see? So there's ego involved. And the devotee, if a devotee says, I want someone to serve Krishna alongside, well, that's very good. That's very good. Prabhupada was Grihasta. You know, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was Grihasta. I mean, we've seen so many, so many. So, yeah. Did you say the pivotal point is that it helps you in your service to Guru and Krishna? Yeah. You grab whatever will help you in your service. Uh, a lot of times, successful grihastas, we can see that their, uh, their marriage gives them peace. It uh, brings peace into their mind. If the marriage disturbs your mind, then there's something wrong. You chose the wrong person or you had the wrong reason why you wanted that person. You know, it might be the right person, but you wanted that person for the wrong reason. How could that be? You wanted a mate. Krishna sends you the right person. And you wanted that person for the wrong reason. What would the wrong reason be? Sense gratification. Sense gratification. The right person. Oh, two of you could have made many devotees. You could have done so much and helped each other go back to Godhead, but you just wanted to enjoy your body. You know, or engage you as your menial servant. You know? I just want somebody to wash my clothes. We used to have a joke. We used to have a joke back in the 70s. Well, my godbrother Gohari used to say to the brahmacharis, he'd say, yeah, tell you what, guys, young brahmacharis, they'd be washing their clothes, you know. There's only two really advantageous ashrams in the Krishna conscious movement. He's from New York. He said, and that is the Grihasta ashram and the Sanyas ashram. Because in both those ashrams, you get somebody to do your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any Vonoprost in those days. <laughs> So you guys go ahead, scrub them up, hang them out. Yeah, you know. Now you'll never see me doing that because I got a wife. <laughs> You'd be really joking with the college. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Do any of you guys want me to fix you up with a spot on the ladies' sankerton team? <laughs> Teasing, you know, back and forth. We were crude. We were really crude. Just young and having fun.
All right, we should probably break it off here. Get ready. Ready now. <coughs> Are we moving too slow? What do you think? What do you mean like, huh? today? Or just yeah. like, the pace of today? I think you pretty well. Okay. Chapter 6? Chapter 6? I'm not any. Huh? I'm not any hurry, but it'll pick up. Yeah, I'm not worried. It's just fun. I can't. What do you think? You like it? I did. I I uh, had a sense that you were talking about that mm -hmm. the egotistic part of the human gets in the way of Yeah. The our false ego gets in, in the way of trips us up. If we're humble, <coughs> then we've got the ego under control. Humility. Humility. Yeah, humility. <coughs> and actually, this humility in spiritual life gives you great strength. And if you have an ego problem in spiritual life, it gives you great problems. In the material world, you feel like, I need some ego. You know, I've got to get out there and compete with the rest of the world. All right. Thank you. <coughs> Are you having a good time? Yeah. Are you having a good time? Excellent. Oh, yeah. Careful. I knocked off the fever pretty fast. Hmm? I knocked off the fever pretty quick. That wasn't the big deal. It's more just the inflammation. It's still there. You just can't really take, can't speak too much because I get winded pretty easily. So, for now, that's not, that's, that's temporary. That's, that's why I'm just working every day on healing this. I got the back pot at home, so I'm just smashing away. Yeah. Slowly, surely, 